Welcome to the A Better Way to Farm podcast, where we share serious secrets about profitable farming. We appreciate you taking the time to join us, and we hope that you'll love the knowledge we share not only with you today, but also in future episodes. So let's get right into it. Hey everyone, Tyler here, local field agronomist with A Better Way to Farm. So we're going to dive back into the second part of the interview we have with, with Sam Reimer. And this time we're going to really dive down into the soybean crop that he had this year and the tremendous success he's having. So let's go ahead and get started. Sam, why don't you go ahead and, and continue where you left off? Well, the soybean crop this year, uh, in prior years, I was to the, I was about to the point of ready to just quit trying to even grow them. Right. We, 10 to 12 years ago, had a 60 or 65 average, and pretty much as we rode the corn down, we rode the beans down, too. The the bean program was pretty much always just a, a map, potash, bill blend of some sort. Yep. Um, the last few years, I was sort of writing my own prescription on it because I knew was starting to figure out where we were running short. So rather than just taking the mix that they say, like a 514.42 or whatever that they, you know, the co-ops recommend to you in using it, I, after figuring out what we were short on, started blending things the way we thought would help. But we continued to watch the bean yield go down. You know, my wheat yields were okay. Uh, test weight on the wheat has always been good. But the test weight on beans has always been 55, 54. The corn, the test weight was, you know, in the in the mid to low 50s, you know, not where it should be. Right. Since we changed the program, the corn test weight has been, well, last year we didn't ship a load out of here that was under 57. Most of them were 58 and 59. Yep. And beans last year didn't get any of the Conklin system, unfortunately. Right. We weren't but, able to do uh, it because of the the way the planter was set up and, and everything yeah, the else. The planter wasn't set up right. We yeah. just, just didn't have the right setup to do it. Yep. And uh, last year, the best beans I had were 32, uh, or 32 bushel of the acre double crops. The full seasons didn't, didn't even do that. <laughs> so... Like Rough. I said, I was ready to quit using that, planting those, but this year, interestingly enough, we switched to 30-inch from 15s. We used the 215 19 2x2 on some acres. We used the competitor on others, but the, the competitor was a 612-18. Yep. Even though he said it was an ortho, it wasn't. It, it was colored. It had to be a poly of some kind. The Conklin beans were a little bit shorter in, in, in height, but they yielded every bit as well yep. on five less gallons of product. There you go. <laughs> and the farms, the farms that it was on were not as good as the ones that you got the higher delivery. Right. <laughs> so the beans this year, we shipped one load out of here. The test weight was 57 and a half. At twelve seven moisture, and I want to say that that particular farm. Now that particular that that came off of that farm had the full Conklin system on the corn the year prior. Yep. And that farm went near sixty bushel the acre. 
Uh, By the time I average the rest of the farm out, I'd say we're probably going to be in that 55 range. But, you know, even though the Coughlin product didn't make it entirely onto that farm this year, the, the results were still coming through. Yep. Yep. And so you're, you're up five pounds per bushel and almost double the yield. Right. <laughs> That's insane, man. <laughs> on on 50,000 less plants. I have never cut beans as good as these, ever. <laughs> and, and I've cut for other people, too. Yep. Really? Oh, okay. Never, this includes that stuff, too. Yeah. And, and, I mean, and these other guys are, you know, I'm planting local TA beans. Those guys are planting Pioneer, Astros. You know, nobody's beans have been like these. Um, I've got neighbors that they're, they're planting seven and a half and dumping 200,000 on it. They're not touching these yields. Whoa. That's awesome, Sam. I love it, man. That's awesome. So <laughs> I, I really, I think the more, the more we go on the program, we're, I think we can only expect to go up as long as Mother Nature will cooperate. Yep. I'd have loved to see what would have happened with these beans if we'd have got a meaningful, a, a couple more meaningful rains after the, about the 15th of July. Yeah, all your rains this year came uh, before May, didn't they? Before June? <laughs> yeah, well, even, even in May. Yeah, I mean, uh, even in the month of May, we had, I think, eight or nine days that you couldn't go to the field consecutive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It... Uh, and we've got that for about three years now. We've, we've had that. Remember, I said the balance of the farm didn't get the, the Conklin. They got the 612-18. Yes. It did, however, receive Conklin micronutrients blended with it. Oh, well, that's good to know. Every huh. acre that we planted this year had Conklin boron. Yep. Because my my I've been listening to Rod, and Rod says if you're under 0.8 part per million on your soil test to uh, a boron, you're in trouble. And yep. I don't have a farm that's over it. So, <laughs> right. Most people don't. Yeah, that's, you know. I mean, mo- most of these are around a 0.5. A couple of these that had the beans were 0.3. Yep. And you're telling me the local co-op didn't pick that up before? I don't think they ever cared. Because <laughs> all they ever really wanted to sell you was a blend. Right. <laughs> right. And, uh, see, I had this conversation. That's what I told you. I spent years listening to the wrong people. Yeah. <laughs> and I used I used AgriLiquids Micro 500. Never got a benefit from that, obviously. Yep. I mean, it was, it was in the ground five or six years ago up right up until we were using it right up until the point we switched to Conklin. Yep. And obviously the test levels don't show we got any any of it. <laughs> so the yield wasn't any bigger, so we didn't do anything there. I even went so far as the co-op, I knew what I needed. I figured I needed a pound of boron, I needed a breaker, and I needed a little copper and a little of this and a little of that. And we're going to start playing cover crop. Yep. So I figured, you know what? My grain drill is about useless when it comes to the fertilizer box for the size of it. <laughs> yep. I only put about 450 pounds of a, you know, a heavy mix in there. But what my thought was is if we want to try to move the needle on these levels, maybe the cover crop would be a good place to do it. Right. Yep. So my thought was, is, and I went to the co-op, the, the guy that owned it, Bill Walbrown, 
And I said, look, I said, here's what I got. Here's what I need. Here's what I want to do. If we have to mix a little pellet lime into these to make this work, you know, to make a volume you can actually blend, that's fine. Well, we've got this mix. <laughs> I don't want your mix. <laughs> you don't understand. We've got this mix. I said, I don't care what you've got. This is what I want. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> and he wouldn't sell it to me. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's the thing about what we do with A Better Way to Farm and, and how the Conklin system and how that approach works into into, into anybody's individual operation is that, that we make it truly about what you need and what your soil needs, not what's best for us on, you know, on a sales ticket or, or an invoice. So, If Conklin was afraid that they weren't going to sell something, I don't think they would make all this information so easy to get. <laughs> That's a great point. <laughs> right? I mean, why would you tell a guy, don't spend your money on this if we want to sell it? I mean, right. obviously, you don't want to sell it if you don't need it. And that and that was the thing. You know, Rod and I were talking about it, and I told him about it. He was using the agri liquid and the Micro 500. And he said, oh, wait a stop right there a minute. He said, there is no way that I am going to tell you in Iowa what your soil needs in western Pennsylvania. Right. So there is no way I can possibly make a blended micro product that's going to be right. Yep. That was a really good thing to hear because, I mean, I don't need any more iron in this soil. <laughs> but every, every one of those, every one of those blends has some amount of iron in it. Yep. But yeah. yes, I mean, everything we've done, we've used all the corn got amplified this year. We, like I said, we used boron on every acre we planted, yep. whether it was in the confluent or not, it went in. Awesome. The side dress, the co-op that spread it, does that, that applied it doesn't know it, but they put their nitrogen in my tank, and I put the boron in there, too. Because <laughs> if they don't sell it, they won't spray it. Yep. So we just hit it from them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's unfortunate that, that people are like that. But I even... That was one of my first experiences. Um, you know, when you talk about sugar, you, you know, 50, uh, was it 12 years ago when I was working at the co-op, we had, I'll never forget, this this lady um, took over her, her farming operation from her husband, and she wanted us to put down sugar with, on her beans with her herbicide spray. And it's like, well, that's really weird. I've, I've never heard of that before, so let me talk to the location agronomist and see what we can do. You know, I was fresh out of Iowa State. And we never even talked about that at Iowa State. So go up to the location agronomist, and he just starts laughing. He's like, no, we are not going to put sugar in into our tanks and go spray it and get everything all gummy and have to deal with the mess. We're not going to do it. You need to go tell her that she's if she wants that, she's got to go somewhere else. So I did. I went and told her that, and she did go somewhere else. And I thought, man, that's that's crazy. But now you sit here and and you listen to the right people. You listen to Rod and you listen to Denny Damon and all these guys and, and, and get the actual research and why you need some of these products and why you don't need others. And and it's too bad that we don't have more custom applicators in this world that, you know, are just freelance and, and they'll add, you know, whatever you want. Because there are a lot of guys out there that need need things that they don't even know they're not getting. AJ got the same awakening when he went to pro, uh, to pro ag as I did. He came back with his hat backwards and he's like, holy crap, have we been screwing up? <laughs> <laughs> the 
The yeah, we certainly, we certainly try not to make you feel guilty about it. <laughs> I do know that he bought some wax, and he was going to use that as much as he could. Oh, cool. So, you know, he was talking last spring that he was going to try to take one form and use Conklin's system on it and see how it compared to the other. Yep. What we're trying to do is is the lowest investment per bushel produced. You know, so you look at it, you're like, man, yeah, my input's might be going up from what I'm doing or might be going up from the competitor, but the end result is what separates us from those guys with that other program. So, you know, this is what I did on my corn, but this is also what I did on my soybeans. So I used to be in the same boat until I started with Conklin and, and Rod and Preston and Karen and everybody had a better way to farm. I, I, you know, I, I kind of had the same thought you did. It's like, man, there's gotta be a better way to do this. There's gotta be something else. And, and up until that point, I hated soybeans because I didn't think there was anything you could do, but man, adding some calcium and adding some intensify and, and some sugar right there in furrow on soybeans is huge. And then K and, and boron generally. So yeah, there's the whole thing is, is, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's you, me, a steer in the pen or the corn in the plant, corn plant in the field. If you don't feed it, it isn't going to grow. Yeah. Yep, exactly, exactly. Just like your little girl, man. How's how's Liliana doing? Oh, she's she's doing great. She's uh, she's four and a half months old now. We we had her in uh, almost two weeks ago for a more four month checkup, and they said she's fourteen pounds seven ounces and twenty six inches tall. <laughs> That's awesome. Course, I think she's she's hiding an inch from them because they always. They lay her down and they want to measure. They want to pull her foot down and measure her, and she always lays there with a bent knee. She won't give them the whole leg. So. <laughs> yeah, it's certainly not not what you feel at night when she goes ahead and whaps you in the chest or across the face. <laughs> uh, you know what i I've heard the horror stories, and she's not one of them. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. She, uh, you know, most nights she sleeps, you know, five six hours consecutive. And, gets a bottle and goes back to bed and uh a long time ago i heard somebody say don't don't teach me what you what you know teach me what you wish you would have known right so that's what i'm trying to figure out how to do that <laughs> she's gonna have to get a little older before she starts understanding the NPK. <laughs> <laughs> yeah get her on the podcast <laughs> right right now she's like nope nope yeah Absolutely. I mean, even even though we know it's going to get dry late in the season, like it has the last three or four years. Yep. There there has to be a way to put this here. Let the plant take it take it on early, and and be able to get these get this yield shoved up even more. Yep. So <clears throat> I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what happens on these soybean fields next year because a lot of them are going to go to corn right uh but have you know having such a high dose delivered to them to the beans this year that might that might help us for next year we'll just have to see 
Yes, I I absolutely believe that it will, and that's one of the things I was going to say. As you start raising, as you start raising that organic matter, like you were talking about, right when we first started talking, that with with, with increased yields, there's increased nutrients left in that stover, and as long as we're not removing that stover, and that organic matter starts improving, the soil health starts improving, that microbial life starts working more. You're going to see more mineralization out of that. And you're going to see, you're going to start seeing those yields continue to bump up. And so, um, one of the examples that we talk about is a guy over in, uh, kind of Western Southwest Nebraska needed manganese, something fierce. So they put on a ton of manganese the first couple years while he keeps doing a soil test and the requirement for manganese starts to drop now that we've started to increase those levels. Right. In, in his plants and everything like that, that it's, it's starting to, it's starting to return it back to the soil test. So we, we get this figured out a hundred percent. You're going to keep pushing those yields up. And then there'll probably be a point where you don't, you don't need to apply as much, you know, two fifteen nineteen or, or whatever. Well, the thing that, that I, and I don't know if they ever told you this and picked up and at the pro ag meeting was the amount of guys that were, were relying so much on their manure. Yes. Alvatore thinks I'm nuts. I put a slowdown kit on my spreader so I can stretch out the amount of acres I'm getting on a load. Right. Yep. Al says, you're nuts. I said, why am I nuts, Al? And he says, well, I, I've i always gone out there and, and hit my worst spots in the field with the manure and just layered it on. Right. And I said, well, is your wet spot, worst spots of your field, if they're still your worst spots, are you actually doing anything? <laughs> exactly. And he, he said, well, and and then he said, uh, he said, well, I still go out there and spread dry fertilizer, or I run it with my just two by two on his planters dry. I told him, I says, well, here's my thinking on it, Al. If I can take what my soil test says I need, and it just say it's a ten acre strip, and do the whole ten acres on manure, and then go out to that that bad spot with my spreader if that's what you're insisting to do but go out to that bad spot with your fertilizer spreader and add your extra 50 pound on that acre aren't you going to save money versus spreading the whole farm and putting a little bit of an ore there because you're still spreading that whole thing yep he, he doesn't he doesn't catch it <laughs> he's not getting it <laughs> he, he's thinking that that bad spot's bad because his organic matter's low because it's a shale hole and we're going to fix that by filling it full of compound. Yep. I can't say that that maybe that won't help, but if the bad spot's still the bad spot, obviously it isn't really a great solution. Right. There's obviously something else you need there. But because I, you know, I tried to tell them, it's just the whole the, the idea behind this is to put your dollars in the right place. Yes. You know, if it, it'd be it'd be like. What he's thinking is like taking the fertilizer buggy, spreading the whole 10 acres, and then going back to that shaley knoll and spreading it again. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's essentially what he's doing. Well, and, and that could be, granted, that area is going to be tough. It's obviously too too much of something, too wet, too dry. Something is happening. But the, the key is, it, if you're going to treat it different, to treat it different, but figure out what it actually needs. And, and treat right. it differently that way instead of just, oh, man, you know, I'm just, that, that area is always weak, so I'm just going to double my nitrogen rate. Well, that doesn't make any sense. 
But uh, yeah, there's that's like I say, I, I get on this fertilizer subject and I can go for hours. <laughs> I just hope that I'm not full of BS when I'm doing it. Right, <laughs> right. Well, man, the yeah. The biggest we... thing for me is, and I think a lot of these, these older scholars are looking back and saying, well, if you know all that, why are you having this many problems? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like Al like said, well, if you're having problems, why? And I think we've got them figured. We've at least got them figured out now and we're going to get them fixed. Yes. Yes, that's the that's the biggest key is is recognizing it and, and instead of doing the same thing over again and expecting different results, now you're going in there and you're doing something different about it and and now you're actually seeing true results. Right. Well, that's fantastic, man, dude. I really appreciate the time. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump off here and I'm gonna let you get back after it. Yeah, let's just stay in touch and uh, keep going from there. Thank you for joining us this week on the A Better Way to Farm podcast. If you found value in this episode, we would appreciate you rating us on iTunes or simply sharing with a friend. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe and tune in next time for serious secrets about profitable farming.